Welcome to There's No I in Podcast, a podcast discussion about teams. Today, on our first attempt, Sean and I talk about, uh, amongst other things, Microsoft Teams, the relationship between the New England Patriots coach Bill Belichick and his quarterback Tom Brady, and whether or not staff would perform better if there was a league table. For today's episode, please excuse the potato quality of the recording. It was our first attempt, and hopefully as we do more of these, we will get better and better and better. But for now, enjoy. First things first, I'm going to say hello. Joining me from sunny West London is Sean G. Hello, Mark. It is uh, sunny today. It's beautiful outside. I hope everyone who will be listening to this is also enjoying the weather. I know we can't go out too much in it, but at least we can kind of pop outside and get a little bit of our vitamin D for the day. I'm really looking forward to this project. We've been speaking about it for a while in 163, also known as our office. So it's great to now have a bit of an opportunity to put this together. And I hope those that will listen in will enjoy, will engage, um, and it will kind of be be something that they, they want to kind of be involved in moving forward. Exactly. So we're going to dig in uh, each time we do this on a different type of team or a different element of what it means to be a part of a team or to run a team. Today, as it's the first one, we haven't got anyone to speak to other than ourselves. So what you'll be getting is a little bit of the conversation that's been running in 163 for the last year or so, uh, where Sean and I have both been chewing on how to run good teams. And out of pure coincidence, we are running this conversation on Microsoft Teams. Uh, Made it sound like they were sponsoring us there, which this is something new for most people this kind of being part of a gang over the over the internet you've been in the, the virtual staff room sean what do you make of it uh i think it's cool i think it's good that everyone's kind of uh jumped on board um sort of from the get-go really giving it a try i think that's all we can do at the moment is just uh be positive try and work as many different angles and avenues it does make me feel close to uh the staff or those stuff that are in there i do like it's it's quite fun and funny uh, uh definitely definitely hopefully it's an opportunity for new relationships to form so that when we do go back to our physical staff room maybe there is a bit more chat and a bit more diversity That's and you think you think that you think that this will have a lasting impact I hope so, because there's going to be people that talk to each other online that don't necessarily talk to each other in the staff room. I think we're all guilty of going to people who we just generally feel comfortable around or work yeah. closely with. This is an opportunity where people will have that kind of a little bit of a barrier with it being online. So they may kind of open open up to people a little bit more or sorry, reach out uh, to people a bit more who they don't yeah. usually get a chance to because I tell you what I've seen I've seen people be uh, funnier than I like imagine them in person in De- definitely text format which is which is kind of an enlightening thing definitely definitely I mean it's good because online you know you can uh, you can kind of work on your material before you send it so uh, <laughs> <laughs> So as uh, as the person responsible for the assemblies on online safety, maybe uh, 
we should be careful about encouraging the jokes online. Is it banter? Is it bullying? But uh, it seems it all seems to be very good natured. And I think that in in practical terms, I've found some of the I found the communication a lot smoother than like email, as an example. Even even the meetings, the video call meetings that we've had have been a little bit productive. Difficult to end them. Uh, yeah, so I think definitely having structures before going into meetings could be helpful. So to type up the structure with the person that you're speaking to, with the colleague, and then going into the meeting is probably a productive thing. And having a kind of a meeting time frame, which I think is good for physical meetings as well. And I, I don't think it's uh, something that we do very well. So if we're saying there's 20 minutes for this meeting, this meeting is 20 minutes and not a minute more. I think that's a really efficient way to... Is that why you keep walking out of the office? Yeah. If it's You've been saying hard minutes, time limits. If, if, <laughs> if, if it gets to 21 minutes, I'm gone. I'm gone. But, um, but no, so just going back in terms of teams, it does feel like a lot easier way to speak to people. And I hope that maybe when we do go back to work, we have teams as our internal communication, potentially. I don't know if there's kind of policies around that, but just in terms of, you know, rather than making that phone call or sending that email, it could just be a quick message in chat, see if someone gets back to you and kind of uh, and go from there. Because I do yeah. feel like things would be a lot quicker if we kind of moved more in that direction. Obviously, when we're talking about students and things like that, we need to be CCing people and we need to be uh, sending those emails because, you know, it's good to have copies of that. But if it's just a general kind of... Um, a general kind of query or can I grab you for five minutes then I think teams could be really useful in that sense yeah and you know if we learn something works because of the challenge that we're facing at the moment then you know it'd be, it'd be silly not to keep it I've got a question for you Sean one of the things that we've talked about a fair amount when we've uh, been chatting in the office is what is it that you and I have in common in the teams that we're building or that we're trying to organize so i think if if we think specifically about dld for a second okay that then we both have a a life cycle of maximum three years with any one group of students i think i think that sounds right yeah um, that sounds right in my head um, kind of that's your that's your average maximum where you've got your GCSE one year and then two years available. Exactly. So let's take that for example. Now that's quite a quick turnover when you say that's a maximum, and you may be working with an Italian student who does one term at DLD and is the captain of your football team, and you didn't realise he was leaving at the end of the term, or you have the person that you have made your main actor or actress yeah. uh, in the play, your lead, sorry, um, and they are doing one term at DLD. And so how do you kind of work around that? So in terms of how we kind of link with teams, I think a big part of it is how can we get the most out of a group of students, out of a group of individuals in a very short space of time yeah. where, when it when DLD can be quite transient in terms of turnover of students, et cetera. So creating team spirit or creating team cohesion as quickly as possible. Uh, like so super that you can, quick from day one. I'd agree with that. 
and a lot of that is we've talked a lot about how you kind of pass the culture of a team on from those years that have gone by to the years that are coming in like how do you communicate those uh, values and rules as quickly as possible what what would you say you do in order to do that so i think so what i would firstly say on that is yes we need to have those values and create that culture as soon as possible but in my professional career i've been able to do that and had more time to do that outside of dld uh because of the time frame that i had and and working with the same faces for a long time whereas at dld as i said building that culture and those team rules and things like that you can you can do so much but each year i feel like you have to be flexible and you have to adapt and you have to change certain things because if you lose half of your team and have to replace that half of the team the, the year after it's very hard to hold on to the same cultures and the same values um the values can remain the same and i try my best to do that and how that happens well they come from you don't they they do they well i think a, a solid set of values and this has been in a lot of the reading that i i've looked at so if you take uh woodward the uh the ex england coach world cup winning coach of england yeah they had a huge document this document was built on and built on and built on year in year out um like a code of, like a code of, like a manual like a code of conduct like, or like a rules li- and regs so literally like a manual that was lever bound uh, cost of fortune to make. And he said, no, this must be in the budget. And it was set by the players and the coaches during meetings. And every time something popped up, if they felt it needed to be added or chopped or changed, it would be done in the book. Um, and the main thing for the book was that if you're a new player and you come into the England rugby setup. Right. There, there should be no excuses for you not to understand the environment you're in because you are given that manual from day one. You read it back to front and you know what's going on. And I think so many. So times- everyone can hold each other to account. I've seen I've seen that in some schools where it's super clear like that. Um, and and does it does it work? Uh, well, I mean, if you take the England rugby team as an example, <laughs> uh, they won the World Cup and we haven't done since. So Woodward done some very weird things and strange things, some things that didn't work. But his open mindedness led to to great things, because, you know, if you have 10 ideas and you chuck them against the wall, hopefully one of them will stick. I mean, in terms of acting or in drama, I'm sure you would say listen, there's no bad ideas because one of them could be a fantastic, uh, fantastic idea and a great project. Yeah. And I think that there's something about pulling everyone around a central point, like as whether it's an idea or a person or a, a book, like you say, where everyone shares something really tangible. Um, it's not, always the it's not always the best thing but sometimes i'll do this deliberately when i'm trying to create a team out of a group uh, rather than be a member of that team which i'll often try and do i'll often try and be a a, a person that can uh, guide a team from within by being one of them if you can create something that you know is almost adversarial from the outside so that they are joined together against you in an in a in a safe way or in a, a fun way like being the baddie or the villain that can create a team quickly 
if everyone hates me, then that that's, can create a team. That's that's re- that's really interesting. That's really interesting. I guess well, I, I, I think about I think about this the, the kind of the horror stories about the, the like the really aggressive coaches. And I don't particularly endorse it, but I I can see a way of everyone feeling subject to the same kind of meanness, making that team feel in the same boat. And I think there's something about everyone feeling in the same boat that does bond a group quite quickly. Yeah, I mean, I would I would agree with that. I think though the caveat that idea of maybe the the disciplinarian uh, approach um, is that there must be trust and respect for that disciplinarian. So right. great example, Alex Ferguson. Yeah. Sir Alex Ferguson. Is 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 the kind of the the archetype of it. Absolute uh, to the outside world, maybe a bully to the team, an icon. Exactly. So they were scared of him, but they respected him and they trusted him. So he would always protect his players from the media, but would absolutely go for them inside the changing room. Now, if you're a professional footballer who every single weekend has to be in the newspapers, has to be put out to the public, he never ever put his players out to dry, uh, hung his players out to dry. But in the changing room, you better know if you didn't do your job, you would know about it. But he would equally, equally be like that with everyone. And that is why he had some issues with the David Beckhams, with the Roy Keens, because at some point in time, I believe they felt they wanted to be treated slightly differently to the team because of who they were and what they meant. Because of that status in the media rather than in the game. 100%. And they were playing for a different team. Yeah, and he was not going to waver. He was not going to waver from his uh, equality of the players, whether that was equality to be nice to all of them or equality to be horrible to all of them, at least the players knew. And I think if we go back to that manual that I spoke about, the, the England Rugby manual, yeah. and, you, and you spoke about seeing that in schools and you spoke about clarity, I think clarity in a team is so, so, so valuable because once everyone knows what their job is and what is going on, they then have to go and do it. Then the onus yeah. is on them. Because then it's not the company's fault, it's not the environment's fault, it's not the team's fault, it's not the coach's fault. Then it becomes about individual accountability, as you said, because you have been given every opportunity to do the right things. You've been shown how to do the right things and you still haven't. Now that's when that falls on to you. You've used the phrase a couple of times, do your job. That is one of the mantras of one of the great coaches of American football. Bill Belichick is the coach of the New England Patriots, probably the most winningest, which is a very American football word, winningest coach in the NFL. He's had a partnership with a quarterback, Tom Brady, for about 20 20 years. And between them have been to massive amounts of uh, championship games, so many Super Bowls and have six or seven Super Bowls between them. And this is the year when Tom Brady and Bill Belichick split up. So he's now gone off to another team Uh, between them. The they called it the Patriot way, this idea of how that team runs which is uh fundamentally underpinned by this idea of we are not a team where everyone is holding everyone else 
up, but we're a team where we each have a function, each have a role, and it's for you to do your job. And if you know what your job is and you know what it takes to do that job, if you don't do it, you're letting the team down. You've got to carry your own water. What do you make of uh, Bill Belichick and Tom Brady? Yeah, so um, firstly, I hope you will take out winningest because it's a word I despise. But no, they have been uh, hugely successful um, over their kind of um, partnership. <laughs> yeah, something is working. Something is working. Um, I think if you look at kind of Tom Tom Brady or Tommy, as I like to refer to him, kind Tom's of his terrific. Early, his, exactly his early days. This is a guy who no one really wanted. This is a guy that was sixth round pick. This is a guy where the scouts said he had an okay arm. He was skinny. He was slow. He wasn't athletic. If you want to check out how slow Tom Brady is, go onto YouTube and check his um, his draft. You're forty yard mind. dash. His his uh, forty yard dash at the combine. The it's combine. That's one of it's one of the most unathletic things I've ever seen for a guy who is maybe the greatest professional athlete in American football. His sprint at the combine, which is a test that they do for all of the. Uh, uh, up-and-coming athletes to measure their stats is so lumbering and slow that you can see why he got picked in the fifth round of the draft. Exactly. And so so firstly, if you're listening to this, guys, uh, don't feel bad about yourself because you're probably quicker than Tom Brady, first and foremost. Secondly, then to do a comparison, go and check out, say, last year's combine, the athletes that now do those for the up-and-coming footballers. Go and check out the difference between 2018 and Tom Brady back in the day and you will see how slow he was but the point is i'm not putting tom brady down the whole reason why in answer to your question why do i think those two have worked so well together is because tom brady started out as an underdog basically and had to fight his way through every single part of his career starting at uh, michigan where he had to battle for first place quarterback uh, there was another guy who was starting, and they basically kept chopping and changing between him and the other guy. Yeah, um, he, um, when he when he did get drafted for the Patriots, he was drafted as a backup, um, and I don't think he actually got to play for a couple of seasons until the other guy got injured. Right, exactly. And so even that, in terms of a mentality, is that he knew he was going to make it. And I think we talk about grit a lot, and we talk about resilience, and I think that both Tom and Bill have it in abundance and what they managed to do was amalgamate that grit and resilience and put it toward one objective, which was to win things. Mm. And, and when I and when I say win things, I don't mean I, I'm not I don't mean that lightly. I literally mean win, just win. It doesn't matter how. It doesn't matter when. It doesn't matter. When. Funny you should say that because they have been accused of cheating on a number of occasions. Well, but, but, well, exactly. You know, exactly. But uh, each of those each of those cheats have been trying to get a competitive advantage by bending a rule that was not clear. There's another idea of the Patriot way, which feels like it's worth mentioning. Like American football teams have. 11 men on the field, but 52 people on the squad. 
So there's always a backup. There's always, if someone gets injured or if someone uh, needs to get taken out of the game, there's always the n- someone else who can step into that spot. And part of the Patriot way is this idea of the the next man up and be ready. Like your sh- your opportunity to contribute to the team could come at any time. Be ready for that opportunity. Don't train like a backup. Don't uh, practice like you're the second in line. Play like tomorrow could be the day when you're called to play in the Super Bowl. And there are so many players on the Patriots rosters that have been failures on previous teams but have flourished. Um, Even to the extent that Bill Belichick with with his discipline that he instills this Patriot way. He'll take players that have had kind of criminal pasts or really challenging backgrounds and that have caused them troubles on other teams um, and turn them into Super Bowl winners. Exactly. And I think that going back to what we said about continuity, clarity, having a structure of uh, values in place and a culture... I think that those players where he's picked up who haven't worked at other teams, I think those structures that they went into were not at the level that those players needed to be the best they can be. Whereas the day you walk into the Patriots setup, there is no excuse. You know, I don't think you'd make it past three training sessions if you didn't look like someone. Oh, yeah, no, they're they're, they're brutal on the cutting. And part of that is represented by the fact that this year having won the super bowl together two years ago not the last one but the one before when tom brady's contract came up this year they finished like they've had a 20-year relationship that's been the most successful in the game and this year tom brady's playing for a different team like if you stop if you stop doing what you're supposed to do if you stop doing your job See ya. What one one hundred percent? And I think it's it's very difficult then when you try and translate that to school level sport. Yes. Because we're not we're not in the music. business of pure competition. We're in the business of education. We, exactly. We can't we can't just cut. So what I hadn't done in my first two years at DLD was I didn't have proper fitness testing at the beginning of the season and uh, trials. I didn't have formal trials or formal fitness testing. Now, as the years have gone on and the program has progressed and I've understood the structure that I kind of want in place, which does take time and in the professional industry, If I was a professional coach now, I might not have been given four years to do what I'm trying to do. Um, And that goes back to, you know, we can make crossovers between teams, but the professional game is the professional game and we are in a different uh, ball game, so to speak. Um, but, But once I started to put those things in place and I started to have the trials, at least it was a fair way to give everyone the opportunity. But if people really, if students really were below par, then they didn't make it into that team. And I think that is life in, in any aspect. It's it's not trying to make it brutal. It's not trying to make it harsh. But if people weren't fit enough at the get-go to do their jobs, and then they weren't technical enough to do their jobs or confident enough during the trial, then I do have to try and take 
the most confident, the most technical and the most fit into a season to try and do the best we can do for the school. What you want to be able to do at the same time, though, is have that separate uh, training ground to give people the opportunity to get there rather than uh, expecting them to be at a certain level with no uh, way of getting there if they're not there already. So having having the Monday trainings for you guys or um, for me, the extracurriculars where I'm not asking you to be the best performer in the world, but I am asking you to be the, the most committed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I, show, I, show, show, me, show me you're ready to show up and learn and I will show up and, and teach. But it's the, it's the people in the room that will get better, not the ones who aren't. I, I think... Um, so I think this is where it's interesting. And I think if people are... You know, I know we said at the start, we, we had a little intro as to conversations we had in 163 um, hmm. to try and get... to try and then get this podcast off the ground. Um, but this is what makes things so interesting for me when I talk about teams. Because if you put 10 people in a room, 10 people are going to have 10 different opinions about what makes a good team, how a team should be run. So going back to your point on, you know, having the kind of de developmental side of, the, of, of things, if you have resources in place to run that development team, then fantastic. And you can let them build at their own pace. And then over time, maybe someone, someone actually steps up and you can put them into the first team. Um, and we have been able to do that on a few occasions, not many, but to be honest with you, me and me and you, our styles are slightly different because I would, say you're, I would say you're quite far the other side in terms of, I just want your commitment. I don't need you to be the best. Whereas I still looking at things from a performance point of view. So and the, but the context the context makes for a lot of that there are very few competitive drama competitions we're not going over to a different school and out acting them over the course of 90 minutes yeah some some pitch perfect stuff would be fun <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and that is the thing that is the thing when when the moment you put three points on something or or you put kind of you know a a quantitative uh, a quantitative kind of um, um, number on something I don't care who you are I believe you will become a little bit more competitive if we had a staff competition and there was literally a league table and it was based off uh, students giving positive remarks about staff and there was a league table and it was published on a weekly basis trust me people would want to be nice to students and would want to get those nice comments and would want to be top of the table in most cases in most cases so when i am going out and representing dld and the, the boys are representing dld or the girls are representing dld uh in netball um or you know this year we've had the basketball team and that's been a really interesting really interesting dynamic uh, to, to, to kind of throw ourselves to the wolves with some of the best schools in London and find it really challenging and really tough, but still kind of cracking on. My point is that as soon as you walk into another school, you're kind of there to do your job. So you can lose. Of course you can lose. But I just think losing 
is different in sport than it is in other parts of school life in terms of arts, you know, drama, music. I don't know. Maybe right. Maybe no, I I, I think there's a couple of there's a couple of things that we. Uh, will likely go into if we have uh, opportunity to have this conversation again I think for me I'd like to talk to someone about the difference between being competitive and being in competition I think I'd like to talk about what team dynamics work Uh, I think if there's someone out there who wants to talk about the the more artistic i've got some friends i'd like to discuss about how we do train for competitive arts because there are competitions that there's such a thing you'll be interested to know as theater sports which is competitive improvising but at the same time (laughs) as being competitive it's about who can make people laugh the most so there are a bunch of different angles I, i i think we've got loads and loads of time and loads and loads of quarantine to allow us to talk about so if we cut it short there for today but ask anyone who has listened to this and got this far thank you tell us what you'd want to hear about teams from sean and i tell us if there's a particular area you'd want to hear about tell us if there's a particular arena you'd want to hear about like the teams in business or teams in uh, other fields and tell us if there's anyone you'd want to hear from. We hope that while everyone is stuck at home, we might be able to make some calls and see if we can get some interesting people to join in a conversation on what it means to be in a team, to be in a good team, to make a team better. Uh, that's all Sean and I are going to talk about for now. Uh, so thanks everyone for listening. I'll say goodbye. And Sean? Goodbye, guys. Take care. And keep an eye out for the next one. Thanks a lot.